0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Gold right here at Beyond the Big Ten. Follow us at the Beyond the Big Ten for all your college basketball and college football content all season long. I'm Joey Christopoulos. Let's bring in our host here to talk some Gophers football. He is from that other pregame show. You might also know him from CBS Network, but you also know that he is a former Gopher standout himself. It's Brock Vereen. Hello, Brock.
1: How you doing, Joey? It was a, uh, a, a grueling week, but uh, when the axe is on the line, sometimes it's easier to forget the past, which now on a three-game skid, the Gophers need to start forgetting some things and looking toward the future.
0: Yeah, uh, well, let's go do a little bit of some Gophers talk. We want to hand out some awards here in the show, and we are going to wrap up with some general college football. ballistic let's stick on the side of the Gophers for a moment. I don't really think we're going to go back and rehash uh, last week's game uh, to give your, to give one of your famous quotes. I think we might be burning the tape on that particular one right there. <laughs> um, but two yeah. kind of in general questions. The first one for you, um, as they head into this final game against Wisconsin rivalry week, I do want to hear your thoughts on Wisconsin. Um, my question for you to start off is, when we look back on this team in four or five years, what are we going to say? You know, is this the beginning of something? Was this a group of players kind of coming in, coming out? What are we going to say about this Gophers team five years from now? Something positive or maybe something a little bit more in the middle?
1: Five years from now, we will say the youth of this team showed Mm. and hopefully we'll say so five, five, five years from now, we'll say five years ago, man, that was an inexperienced team and it showed, but you know what? Three years ago, meaning two years from now, it really paid off. That's, that's how I feel. There is, there is a lot of good in regards to the physical side of the game There is a lot of growth left still on the table. There's still some meat on the bone. I was hoping that some of the younger guys would have matured a little bit more, right? That Northwestern collapse, it's okay. This is a young team, and hopefully they learn from this. But then the Illinois collapse happened, and the Purdue really wasn't a collapse. It was just from start to finish. Guys just didn't look ready, so... What you can hope for is that guys learn from this entire year, even though you were hoping they would learn from the first half of the year going into the second half. Um, as a whole, you will you you will say this was an inexperienced team that hopefully learned from it. In regards to something more specific, I will say this is a team that just was not able to play P.J. Fleck football. Uh, mm-hmm. P.J. Flick football is control the time of possession, uh, don't turn the ball over, and play penalty free slash mistake free. Turnovers have been an issue from the jump and they quite honestly have not gotten better. Um, penalty free, yeah, they've they fairly they've played penalty free for the most part, so I will give them that. But you can't win the time of possession when I have it right here they're averaging 152 yards per game on the ground, which would be great for some schools, uh, but that's the lowest that Minnesota has had (laughs) since 2015. Um, And as you can imagine, when you're playing P.J. Fleck ball, you have to be able to run the ball. So some good, some bad, um, but when we look back, that is what we will say.
0: Yeah, that's a great perspective because – I think that is the hope, right? If we're trying to look for some silver linings and looking for a little optimism, first of all, obviously they could still pick up their sixth win against Wisconsin this week. But more importantly, it has has felt a little bit of a season, like some missed opportunities, um, some blown leads, as you mentioned, the turnovers. And then, of course, you play the what-if game with some injuries when you talk about a Darius Taylor and you talk about a Cody Lindenberg. So isn't that the hope, Brock, that in a couple of years from now, You know, uh, when this team is competing and when this team is stacking wins, you can kind of maybe look back at this season and say, man, they almost had it that season, too, as well. Uh, But these are maybe some of the building blocks for a brighter future in Minnesota.
1: Exactly. And obviously, in the days of NIL and transfer portals, it, 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 it used to be so fun to say, man, this is a young team, but I can't wait to see what they look like. (laughs) <laughs> Two, three years from now, like I just said. But there 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 is just that, that, that little caveat of guys are transferring everywhere for whatever reason, right? Starters are leaving to be role players somewhere else. It, it, there's, it's impossible to predict what this team looks like next year. But as we sit here um, on the week of Thanksgiving, yes, I'm excited for Darius Taylor, who... I mean, might still be a freshman All-American, even though he, he only contributed, really, a, a, a month and a half of football. Uh, I'm excited for the, the, the growth of Ethan kaliak Manis. I, I, I still feel that there, you know what Ethan is? It's, it's when a musician releases an album and there's 22 songs on it. And there's seven really good songs on it, and you're thinking, man, if you just made a ten-track album and took off a lot of this fluff, this would be a classic album. Yeah. I, th- that's how I feel uh, 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 about Ethan. And I'm, I'm curious what the offensive coordinator situation looks like. Uh, P.J. Fleck has had a little more turnover yeah. in recent years with his staff. That, that 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 is normal. I'm interested to see what he does there, but. Um, the the growth and development of Ethan Callieck Manis will be the most important important factor.
0: That's so funny. That's a great analogy. Uh, my wife the other day was cleaning and she threw on, uh, Lauren Hill's "The Miseducation of Lauren Hill," and I'm like, man, I haven't heard that album in a really long. Okay, I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, but if you remember that album, yeah. there's a lot of classroom interstitials in there. There's a lot of in-between tracks to the actual – it's a great (laughs) album. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to compare it. It's probably better than Aiden Kelly McManus' play this year. But, yeah, sometimes there's a little bit too much filler (laughs) uh, and not not enough of uh, the actual meat on the bone. Exactly. Um, So uh, real quick before we move on uh, to some awards for the season, um, I do want to ask you, you know, we're producing shows across the board here for Beyond the Big Ten. Um, I was on the Wisconsin pod last night. And let me tell you right now – the rivalry between Minnesota and Wisconsin seems very real, quite visceral. Um, and I want to open yeah. up the floor to you to give your perspective on the Minnesota side. Uh, so just you tell me, how do Minnesota fans feel about Wisconsin?
1: So it's so funny because as a California kid uh, coming to Minnesota, I, I, I knew the Big Ten. That's why I went to Minnesota. I wanted, I wanted to play In the Big Ten. I'm not up to speed on all the rivalries, right? So I committed there knowing that Minnesota had so many trophy games. I knew the trophy games with with Penn State, with with Michigan, and of course with Iowa and Wisconsin. Wisconsin was the one I knew the least about, funny enough. Um, And so you go into your first Wisconsin game. And I knew it was a big rivalry, of course. You know, the acts and the coaches hype you up and you hear the seniors and the juniors talk about it and how crazy the environment is. But what you realize is when you start going to school there is how many Minnesota kids go to school in Wisconsin and how many Wisconsin kids go to school in Minnesota. So what happens is during rivalry week, On Wisconsin's campus, there's a bunch of Minnesota sweatshirts and there's a bunch of Minnesota supporters. And on our campus, there's a bunch of Wisconsin kids and they still root for Wisconsin. They just, from an education standpoint, wanted to, needed to study something that maybe Minnesota specialized in or vice versa. So what makes it different is like, if, if, if you wore maroon on Texas's campus during the Red River, you're getting kicked out of school, right? you're not allowed to wear red on Michigan's campus during that, right? Like, but why Minnesota Wisconsin is so different is because so much of the population of one, um, goes to the other. And you, so you are reminded in class, you're reminded when you're walking to McDonald's, you're reminded, um, of course on the practice field. So that, that, that's what makes it unique. And as an outsider third party perspective, it, it was, a. It was a unique way to be introduced to how unique the rivalry is. This feels like a blood game.
0: Um, and the most interesting part about it is that I think, yeah. both, I think both teams have definitely felt um, yeah. uh, a little bit of their season slip through their fingers a little bit. You know, you got Wisconsin at 6-5. and five. They are going to secure yes. a winning season. Um, I think it's they're going on 18 years or they're going on a bowl game for over 20-plus years. Minnesota's trying to get to that sixth win right now. Um, You know, from my outside perspective, it sort of feels like whoever's going to run the ball better is going to come out with a victory in this game. Um, Is there anything else? And do you think Minnesota um, has a chance to win this game?
1: Well, it's important to note, like most rivalry games with Minnesota and like we saw earlier against Iowa, a lot of Minnesota rivalry games are the team who's supposed to win loses. (laughs) That's just how it works. Last year, uh, Minnesota beats Wisconsin in Wisconsin um actually minnesota's won this game two years in a row but the 2019 year where if minnesota beats wisconsin they go to the big 10 championship that was the 11 win minnesota team and wisconsin beats them in a snowy game that wisconsin has no business winning it's it's truly a um a blank slate throughout the record game can minnesota win absolutely i feel that pj is going to motivate them saying hey I know this year hasn't gone the way that we thought it would. I know that we are just a couple plays away from being in the Big Ten Championship. That's not the case right now. But if we can finish this year going to a bowl game, albeit not a January 1st bowl game that some guys are kind of hoping for uh, to to make it back to, and albeit not going to the Big Ten Championship, if you can finish this year with the pig and the ax I'm not going to say all is forgiven, but you've got a little pep in your step going into spring ball. So there is a lot riding on this game. P.J. Fleck knows it. The players know it. They, I, I'm i really curious the last time that the Pig and the Axe were both um, at the Minnesota facility at the <laughs> same time. I'm kind of scared to look it up because I know I never had both. So
0: Yeah, and, and look, when we talked uh, about our first question, you know, what are we going to look back on this team in five years, I think – um, if Minnesota goes in and gets the axe this weekend, I think they have that for the rest of their lives. These players can always say that you know they brought the axe back, back into the trophy case. Um, and I think that's something when we talk about legacy with players and their connection to Minnesota, um, that's important. They got plenty to play for in this one. They got a bowl game. They got the axe. They got five hundred. They got Wisconsin. It's rivalry week. There is plenty to play for. Um, and we'll be back to cover it all uh, next week. But first, you know. Season's almost over, Brock. So I want to transition over and I want to ask you a little bit. Um, you know, let's hand out some awards here a little bit. There are some players that shine. Yeah. um Some players that were able to show up and perform on a week to week basis for this Gophers team. Um, so, you know, let's go. Let's start with the. Let's start with the first one. Um, I want to hear who is your breakout candidate. What, what player kind of surprised you from the beginning of training camp to the end of the year um, that showed out, showed uh, showed up, showed out, and uh, earned your breakout candidate
1: nod. We're going to go with linebacker Maverick Baranowski, oh. uh, the freshman linebacker who was thrown into the fire um, as a rehash. Cody Lindenberg, who was a, a star player for this defense, um, pulled the hamstring uh, during training camp, which thrust Maverick Baranowski into the starting lineup. Uh, and he performed out of this world. He was, he was on the travel squad last year. I, I don't believe he entered any game. Um, he's a redshirt freshman this year, so if he did enter a game, it, it wasn't much. Um, and all of a sudden, you blink and you're the starting linebacker uh, on a team with a lot of banged-up people. He performed great. He, he was he was phenomenal. They asked him to do a ton in 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 stopping the run, of course. Um, in in pass coverage as well because Ryan Seelig was much more of a run stopper than, than a cover guy. So for a freshman to be thrown into the fire, have so much on his plate, have to replace a guy, a, a key piece to this defense, he, he was phenomenal. Cannot wait to see his growth.
0: Great call. And as we already mentioned on the other side of the ball, you got a true freshman like Darius Taylor. Um that these are young foundation pieces that are hopefully going to be a part of the next great gophers run in the years to come. Uh, who is your MVP? Um who is the guy week in and week out? Um I don't know if he was the best player on the field week in and week out, but over the course of the season, who is your MVP for the Gophers?
1: Going with Daniel Jackson. Right, yeah, yeah. Wide Absolutely, receiver. Right? Yes. Yes. It it's it, it's it's a no-brainer to me. Um what got overshadowed by Tyler Newbin's two-interception game against Nebraska a little bit was the incredible uh, performance by Daniel Jackson. And then after that, Minnesota really it was really the emergence of Darius Taylor, who was able to run the ball 40 times a game, 30-something times a game, whatever it was. And he kind of took over for the, that, that, that first quarter of the season. And despite the struggles of Nathan, despite the despite the inconsistencies of this offense, Daniel Jackson has been phenomenal. 48 receptions, over 700 yards receiving, seven touchdowns, 14.8 yards of reception, and you do have to take it with a grain of salt because P.J. Fleck wants to run the football, and like I just mentioned, the the inconsistencies of this offense. Daniel Jackson, a senior. I, I struggle to know who's coming back and who's leaving anymore because of the COVID year. I'm pretty sure he has to leave. I don't know anymore, <laughs> but I will say if he does leave, uh, he has firmly worked his way into NFL conversations. And that was not the case at the start of the year. Huge, huge credit to him.
0: Brock. I'm just, I, I, I was my, that was my pick too, as well. I'm just a huge fan of players that when you see a season that might be a little up and down, when you see injuries that no one can predict and no one can prevent um, from some of your best players on both sides of the ball, Daniel Jackson was a guy week in and week out, right, that showed up and produced. Even when Cali Manis wasn't having his best game, even when you're going from from Zach, uh, I'm sorry, Taylor to Zach Evans to Jordan Newb, you know what I mean. Every single week, Daniel mm-hmm. Jackson was making plays, and I think those seven touchdowns too, as well, speaks a lot to. Um, the guy in the big time, big moments, making stuff happen and, and, and making it, you know, for for a guy who's played on a lot of teams before, I mean, that he's the rock, right? He's kind of the rock of the he offense, is. you know? He is.
1: And I would compare it to, uh, sorry, we have to throw some NFL guys under the bus right now. If you watch Devontae Adams in a troubling quarterback situation right now for the Raiders, it's the body language. It's 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 the slam in the helmet. It's I'm wide open and Aiden O'Connell missed me or Jimmy G missed me deep. And it's the throw in the hands and it's all that. Um, Stephon Diggs, technically a Big Ten guy. I don't think they were in the Big Ten by the time he left. I'm, I forget. Mm. Um, but when he's struggling and Josh Allen isn't really in sync, I know they just had a major win um, against the Jets last night, but before that it w- it was pretty ugly and Body language, it's the shoulders, it's the throwing the hands, it's the screaming on the sideline. Daniel Jackson never complained, man, never complained. He showed up, and if the game plan was Darius Taylor or Jordan Newman are going to run the ball forty times, he never complained hey th- th- those those three opportunities I get I'm going to turn one of them into a touchdown All right that's that's what his legacy will be on this season is a lot of receivers with his talent would have said, Screw this. <laughs> I'm sitting out the year keeping my red shirt. I'm transferring to Texas Tech who throws the ball 100 times a game, and I'm going to get mine. He he never complained, um, even when moments came that he probably had a right to, and that is what will impress me more uh, than the 700 yards and seven touchdowns.
0: We're going to get you out of here on this, Brock, uh, right here on fourth and gold, right here beyond the Big Ten. Uh, All right, Brock Vereen, this is it, man. The world is about to stop in about four or five days for three hours. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it is. (laughs) We're all, with bated breath, um, awaiting the arrival of Ohio State-Michigan. The game. So, Brock Vereen, plant your flag. Who do you got in this game? Who's going to win?
1: Not only do I have Ohio State, this is how it's going to go. So, Ohio State is a slow-starting team, but that's that's fine. The only reason it's an issue is because we're used to them scoring 40 points a game in every other year um, uh, under Ryan Day, right? So the thing about Ohio State, if you are not up by at least 13 points at halftime, they're coming back strong. Travion Henderson in the second half, he just gets stronger as the game goes on. Kyle McCord is a guy who when he takes the snap, if it's the picture he was expecting based on his pre snap read, he's gonna be fine. If it's not, things don't go well. But nobody, and Joey, I mean nobody makes better halftime adjustments than Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. They 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 could teach a masterclass on halftime adjustments. The second half for Kyle McCord, he comes alive because they make adjustments. Mm-hmm. They they reconfigure the picture that he's now expecting to see. And now once he knows, okay, coach told me that I thought that was gonna be cover two, but when he's there, it's actually four. I thought that was gonna be man, but actually like they make so many adjustments. Michigan will be up at half. It but Michigan is not proven to be capable of scoring a lot of points. Um, so I see a close game in half, and if Michigan is not up by at least 13 points, Ohio State comes back in the second half to win the game. Um, give me Travion Henderson, give me 150 total yards, uh, he's been catching well out of the backfield, give me Marvin Harrison Jr., two second half touchdowns. Wow.
0: Man, oh man, what? I mean, I love I love this prediction for Ohio State. You got Ibuka back. Um, really excited to see J.J. McCarthy against this Ohio State defense. Um, when we're yeah. talking about NFL draft prospects and high uh, ceiling, um, I think this is the matchup you want to really look at to drill in and see. Is this guy a part of the class that's maybe going in that first round, or is he maybe a guy that's maybe a day two kind of guy? Um, love that you said that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's really going to come down to that, in my personal opinion. Um, and. The, the next part that I have to ask you is that, I mean, obviously we saw an interesting changeup in the CFP. Uh, Washington's now in four. Uh, Florida State falls to five. Uh, I don't know if that's the Jordan Travis factor. I, I'm not really sure. Obviously, there's a lot more to be played out here. My question for you, though, is from a college football perspective, from a ratings entertainment perspective, mm. if Michigan loses – is it more beneficial for the college football to launch Michigan into space and out of the CFP yeah. <laughs> out of the CFP so we don't have to deal with it? Or is it are they going to be seduced by the eyeballs of Harbaugh coming back to coach in the C F P
1: That's such a good question. Yeah, could college
0: football actually run with that and be like, We were willing to risk Michigan winning the national title? with everything that's going on for eyeballs versus, you know, when you lose a game, sometimes see you later. You know what I mean? Uh, wh-
1: where do you land? Mm. So I'll approach it two ways. Uh, Cause you bringing up the media aspect is makes it so fun. So f- first though, from a practicality standpoint, if Ohio state loses, but it's a close game, if things fall their way, they can still get in right. because they've played a hard enough schedule. Um, if Michigan loses, it's over because the only other significant one they have is Penn State. And a lot of people are side-eyeing Penn State about how good are you really, right? Um, so Mich- Michigan has to win for, 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 for any hope. Um, I don't care if Bama beats Georgia, if, if, if Oregon loses to Oregon State, and then they beat Washington, if Florida State loses. Th- th- there's no way Michigan gets in if they lose this game. Now, all that that's out the way, I've found... Per- personally um and i i'm i'm willing to hear uh, arguments to the contrary that the villain arc only really works at the mm. professional level people want to root for kids even with nil even with kids driving rolls royces around campus like even with all of that guys and commercials and all of that um People want to root for kids. When you watch college football, you see kids, even when they're all 24 years old right now because of the COVID year, right? So while Harbaugh and the block yellow M of Michigan would be the villain, at the end of the day, J.J. has to be the villain. Blit Quorum has to be the villain. Mm-hmm. Donovan Edwards has to be the villain. And we want to root for those guys because we see them as children. So as alluring as it would be, for them to put Michigan in, I see, from from a media standpoint, if I was the owner of, who has the championship game, ESPN or whoever, I wouldn't want Michigan because people want to root for kids. I completely agree, Um, and
0: I think it's the short-term versus the long-term, right? Where short-term, you're like, oh, we're going to get this great rating Mm -hmm. with Harbaugh. The long-term is obviously you have... We, we don't know if further sanctions are coming down, but what if there were? What if they won the national championship and then you had to strip that away? I mean, there's a there's an embarrassment Everything level is there. And I'll never forget to, you know, I always just go back. I'm sorry, like, I'm going to turn 40 in a couple months, so forgive me. But, like, I, I, I always go back to <laughs> the Fab Five. I mean, we'll never forget what the Fab Five did, what they yes. accomplished, the kids specifically that you're talking about. But when we, when we open up the book and we look at it now, those banners aren't hanging anymore um, in that stadium. And it, it's embarrassing on a couple of no. different layers, you know, from an NCAA broad perspective, from a Michigan perspective specifically. But it's just a, an uncomfortable way to look back at the legacy of college basketball, college sports, and specifically in college football in this scenario. I kind of think they're rooting for Ohio State in this And, 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 I, and that's Joey. What I would want to say.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Joey, the worst possible thing that could happen is if Michigan beats Ohio State, goes to the playoff, beats Washington and then beats Georgia. That's the worst thing that could happen from a media standpoint. Because the very next day, you know what everybody's saying? Yep. This championship totally. doesn't matter. You think Ohio State
0: Ohio State's gonna not and acknowledge they're, and You know what it, I'm saying? Like
1: Right, I, I, exactly, exactly. The, the the entire landscape of media discusses how this championship doesn't matter. Now all that ad revenue on those post championship conversations mean nothing. Nobody's tuning in. Everybody's tossing it out. Um, the only people rooting for Michigan yes. are Michigan, and it truly is not not in the way that they're portraying it. But it truly is Michigan versus the world um, right oh, now. And look, uh, all eyes are going to be on it. I think it's going to be a great game. Um,
0: I'm with you. I'm leaning Ohio State on this one. I think Kyle McCord's looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. As you already mentioned, Henderson's really come on. He's looked pretty awesome um, over the last month. And I just think their defense is just a little bit better. Um, and, you know, 20 touchdowns from Blake Corum. How many more is it going to take? Does he got to get to 23. Right. To, to make this a game. I, I'm not so sure. I, I'm not sure, uh, but I'm leaning a little hard on this one, too, as well. We got to get out of here. Um, Brock Farine. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show. Our host right here. You can check him out on that other pregame show, um, which is awesome. What an awesome, talented slate of people talking sports on the thank weekly. You, uh, also doing work for CBS Network too as well. Um, I'm Joey Christopoulos with Fourth and Gold. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. Uh, we got one more week. It's flown by, but maybe the Gophers can pick up.
1: It's yeah, crazy. It really right? has. Hopefully is the Gophers crazy. can pick
0: up one more win and talk. A little, we can talk a little some bowl action next week. Um, until then, be well. We say please be good to each other. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your family for Thanksgiving. This is 4th and Gold. We are out.